Um, when we were singing those words, I feel like I need a dinner, a dinner bell or something. Bing, 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 bing. When we were singing those words, um, there you go, uh, symbols there, monkey symbols. Uh, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. And I was reading, I, I can't remember where it was in the Psalms this morning. I think it was Psalm 96. Maybe somebody in here, maybe Mike, you could help me out with this. But there's a, there's a Psalm I was reading this morning that was saying that, um, it was explaining the, how, um, how in control God is in the midst of all the topsy-turvy and uh, do people still say topsy turvy? Is that a? Is that what, so? All the nitty gritty. Um, it's different, isn't it? So, but no, there's a verse that said that um, the 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 great mystery that God has, He's the one who builds, who grows the bones inside the child within the womb. Something like that in Psalm 96 or somewhere in the Psalms. Somewhere in the Psalms, trust me. But the idea that, the idea that, what's that? Nice! Is it 139? No, it's not that one because it was a different one. The, the knitted me together in my mother's womb is that one passage. But there's another passage. It was a different psalm. It says that the mystery of God that he, um, somebody looked that up. But it's a mystery of God that he, he grows the bones inside the fetus when the fetus is in the mother's womb. And I just, I just was sitting on that this morning because to think that a tissue and just the, I don't know, just how powerful that is that God's work, that he would grow bones out of tissue and that those bones would grow in the womb, you know? It's not Ecclesiastes either. I swear it was in Psalms. So you guys are getting too clever here. But... You're all showing all the other scriptures that it's like, yeah. So anyway, it's neither here nor there. We took too much time on that. This morning, we're going to be looking at um, 1 Chronicles chapter 8, excuse me, chapter 14. We'll get to that in just a second. And we're going to take away three main takeaways from that passage as it relates to prayer. And so we'll, we'll look at that passage. We'll take three takeaways and hopefully we'll get practical at the end. But before we do that, I thought we'd start, this is a little Jerry Bowen style here. I thought we'd start, I wanted to ask you guys a series of questions. And I'd like for you, I want you to respond whether you agree or disagree. So I'm assuming the first one's already up there, right? So, and that is not, I did not mess up the grammar on that. That's how Oreo spells it. So Oreo double stuff. As, is an improvement on the original. How many of you would agree with that statement? Raise your hand. How many of you would disagree with that statement? Raise your hand. Wow. How many of you don't like raising your hands in church? Raise your hands. There you go. That's good. Yeah. All right, next one. Dogs are better than cats. Where's Karen at? All right. Those, you guys are just saying agree, right? Those are all hands. I didn't even have to ask the question. You're just ready for it. Those who disagree, raise your hands. All right, those are the people to avoid later on, right? Okay. And Mike stood up. That's amazing. Okay, next one. I'm looking forward to the 2020 presidential election. All right. Raise your hand if you agree with that statement. Wow. 
That is amazing. That's so much more than I was thinking. Raise your hand if you disagree with that statement. Okay. Next one. I wish I had more country music in my life. Raise your hand if you agree with that statement. Wow. Raise your hand if you disagree with that statement. Okay. Kevin had two hands up. You're getting your worship on right there. So. Okay, when I have two hours to kill, I'd much rather watch a movie than read a book. Raise your hand if you agree with that. Raise your hand if you're lying. You really want to raise your hand on that one. And raise your hand if you disagree. You'd rather, you'd rather read a book. Raise your hand if you'd rather do other things besides reading a book and watching a movie. Okay, there you go. Okay, getting a little bit more serious here. With all of the new time-saving technology available to me, I have much more time to spend on the things I really want to do. Raise your hand if you agree with that statement. I have a couple people. Okay, you have to help us to know how you're using your technology. Because Raise your hand if you disagree with that. Yeah, there you go. That is, that is one way. Yeah. Okay, last one. Life feels less busy right now than it, did, than it did 10 years ago. Life feels less busy right now than it did 10 years ago. Okay, good. Raise your hand if you agree with that. Again, these are the people we need to learn from. Raise your hand if you disagree. Okay. Good. Excellent. Thank you. So... We live, I mean, the truth is, regardless of where we are personally, the world is going faster and faster piece of pace, right? We can all agree with that, that the world is growing faster pace. It's really, really hard to navigate the noise and clutter. But in the midst of that, we learn in Scripture that God has made himself approachable. He has made himself near. And that is really good news. He invites us to come to him. And he, he himself even bends down to speak. Which is, it's just remarkable when you, when, if we take a minute, for many of us, I'll say for myself, it's often I take that for granted. But if we take just a minute to think about how remarkable that is, that the God of the universe would be willing and wanting to bend down to speak. Bend down is a, is a, it's a, a weird way to say it, right? Because um, it's like, but that's the way scripture uses it. He bends out, he condescends to, to speak. Look at Psalm 27, verse 8. This is David speaking. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Psalm 8, 4 says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Psalm 32, 8 through 9 says, God is saying, listen to these words from God. I will instruct you. And teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And then he goes on. Understanding our natural tendencies, right? 
He says, Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. He understands. He created us. He knows. And it's easy at times to see prayer as a duty or a burden rather than a privilege, a gift. And it's such a good gift, isn't it? The busier and noisier our society gets, the harder it is to wait and position ourselves to listen. And then if we throw in that element of the sin nature that is striving for control at times, wanting to call the shots, it's in all of us, right? That factors in there too. So with that in mind, let's look at uh, 1 Chronicles 14. It'll be up on the screen as well, but if you're looking in your, uh, in your Bibles or on your uh, devices, turn with me to 1 Chronicles 14. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 17. And here's the context of this passage before we get into it. David has just succeeded Saul as king over Israel. And one of his first steps of leadership is he's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the capital city of Jerusalem. That's one of his first decisions of leadership. And it was a move that exemplified David's conviction that the counsel of God, that God's counsel be central to his government. And it wasn't long before those pesky Philistines discovered that David had been anointed king. And they had history with David, right? So they had that whole Goliath fiasco to be thinking about. But there was even a time when David was working with the Philistines. He was in military with the Philistines for for a season of time. And so they knew what David was capable of. They knew what kind of man he was. Um, And I'm sure that seeing him raised to power after succeeding Saul in Jerusalem was a threat to them. So this is where we pick up in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. Look with me at verse 8. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him, all of them. But David was told they were coming, so he marched out to meet them. The Philistines, verse 9, arrived and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. So just think about that for a minute. The Philistines are not, um, they're not a threat anymore. They're in the territory. They're in the Israelite territory. They're in the valley of Rephaim. They're encroaching. It's not like there's a lot of time here. Um, This is urgent. So how does David respond in verse 10? Look at this. This is great leadership. So David's response, David consulted God. He asked, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied, yes, go ahead. I will hand them over to you. Verse 11, so David and his troops went up to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. And how did David respond? He said, God did it. He used me to burst through my enemies like a raging flood. 
So they named that place Baal Perizim, which means the Lord who bursts through. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, so David gave orders to burn them. Verse 13, but after a while, the Philistines returned and raided the valley again, perhaps to catch David off guard, maybe a moment of weakness, or maybe they had, after the previous campaign, had decided a different strategy they thought would work. And how did David respond after that? They just had this decisive victory. It's the same enemy that's coming again. In verse 14, how does David respond? This is, again, amazing leadership. Once more, David asked God what to do. And this is God's response. Very different from the first time. Do not attack them straight on, God replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, go out and attack. That will be the signal that God is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what God commanded. And they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Verse 17, so David's fame spread everywhere. And the Lord caused all the nations to fear David. One of the things that gets me about, especially that last verse, is who, with even the fraction of power and authority, even a fraction of God's power and authority, would ever share his glory. And yet God willingly shared his glory with David. What a humble God we we serve. So here are three major takeaways from this passage as it relates to prayer. And the first one is this. Prayer positions us for God to take the lead. Prayer positions us to let God lead. We see this all throughout the passage. In verse 11, after David consulted the Lord and they defeated the Philistines, David said what? He said, God did it. God did it. And in verse 15, the instructions given to David promised that after he followed God's counsel, he would receive a signal that God is moving ahead. That God is moving ahead of him to strike down the Philistine army. When we listen and obey, we can trust that God will move ahead. God will move ahead. You get a glimpse of David's faith and his trust in Psalm 35 when David wrote, O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Just a note on that. You know, victory doesn't always look the way that we quite envision it. Um, We only see in part. Um, God sees the whole picture. And so... You know, when David was king, when he started off, I don't think he could have ever envisioned the life that God had planned out for him. I don't think he could have ever envisioned the decisions of Saul 
Um, when he was anointed king, uh, I, I mean, even the moment when um, Samuel came to Jesse's house was, and was visiting when Samuel came to visit David, shepherding the sheep, I don't think he envisioned that. Um, I'm, I can't imagine what was going through his mind after he was anointed at that point, what that would look like. Um, he certainly didn't envision probably being the one who'd have to bear the brunt of work and valor at the valley with Goliath. Um, I think it was probably really hard for him that Saul spent years chasing after him to kill him. I think he probably was hoping that there would be a partnership there. He could learn from Saul, that Saul would be a good king. Um, I know that there are many, I mean, we have recorded in the Psalms the times when David was in exile all the times he would cry out to the Lord for victory. And he was chased and chased. I don't think he could have ever envisioned being in the enemy's camp fighting for the Philistines. You know, that's, that's a crazy turn of events. And I certainly hope that he didn't imagine that one day he would succeed Saul by watching this man that he had hoped would be a good king slaughtered alongside his best friend, Jonathan. Um, those things were all hard. So I don't know that victory necessarily always looks like what we envision, but God has promised victory. I, um, my, my first foray into ministry outside of college, um, I had this picture of what my ministry would look like in God's path for my life. I was set that I was going to be at this church in Phoenix for 30, 40 years um, serving there. I had my five-year, my 10-year, my 20-year, my 30-year goals. Um, and um, I had all these plans, all these thoughts, and then we just, we hit hard times. And we had some really divisive divisiveness in our leadership. And it came to a point where uh, Kate and I had gone away to a cabin in Flagstaff area to seek the Lord to say, do we stay or do we go? And when we had the peace that God had said, it's time to go, that was hard. And, um, and we were in exile for three years in Louisville, which is a great city. It's a great city. It really is. But, but we went out. We went away. We had no plans for that. And um, it's, it's really remarkable to look back and see what has happened in that church and all that happened. We, we wouldn't have survived anyway. It all fell apart. And where God has placed us is sweet. And it didn't feel like victory at the moment, at the time, but um, how we were desperate to listen, to follow God's voice, to get any kind of direction in that time. And now we look back and we see God's hand. So victory doesn't always look the way that we envision it, but God has promised victory and he's promised his voice. He's promised his counsel. Like he's got the big picture in mind. We see in part, he sees the whole. Back to our passage, if you look at verse 11. Um, after the Philistines were defeated, the Israelites renamed that valley. It was the Valley of Rephaim. And they, they renamed it Baal-perazim, which means the God of breakthrough. 
or the God who bursts through. I think it's one of the first places in the Bible where we see that declaration of God, that he is the God of breakthrough. And it's interesting, that title, you know, Baal Parism, we see, we see the word Baal often throughout scripture. And really it's the, the lowercase b, Baal, that there are many Baals. Baal is the generic word for God. So there are many Baals, and we see kind of the, 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 uh, the counterfeit Baals throughout Scripture. But it's just a word. It means God. So they, the Philistines brought all of their counterfeit, their many Baals, their gods, their lowercase g gods into this battle. And what ends up happening is they bring those in. They're hoping, they're, they're praying for victory to their gods. And what ends up happening is that they're chasing tail to get out of the way of the slaughter, and they're dumping their gods on the valley. And David comes in and he puts them all to fire. He burns them up. Worthless. So it's a reminder to us, especially in our culture, there are so many gods, um, lowercase b, bales, in our lives that we might want to turn to, that we might want to bring into the battlefield for victory. Those things like, that we would look to for answers, for guidance, for counsel, uh, for escape. Um, for clarity, for peace, for understanding. But there's only one veil parism. There's one God. He is the God of breakthrough. He is the God who bursts through and moves ahead. And prayer positions us to let God lead. It positions us to let God lead. Now, I'll just be um, transparent. I've used the the language before just as a side note i've used this language before so if you've used this before we're in good company but i've i've said i've heard this come out of my mouth many times before that prayer is powerful now we would all agree with that at some level right because of who we're praying to but prayer in of, in and of itself is a means it's not the end it's not prayer these these philistines who came they came Praying to their gods, but God is the one who's powerful, and we have access to him through prayer. God is powerful. We have access to God through prayer. He is the God of breakthrough. He is the Baal Parism, the one who bursts through and moves ahead. And when we pray, we position ourselves to let God take leadership in our lives. We say, you lead. You lead. Number two. So prayer positions us to let God lead. Number two, David did not have time to seek the Lord. He didn't have time. If you think about it in this story, just imagine the pressure that David felt. The the enemy troops were in the territory. So every moment of indecision or trepidation or um, or, um, any kind of waiting, any second could mean the loss of territory, could mean the loss of livestock, could mean even potentially the loss of life. They're in the territory. David didn't have time, but yet he did. He sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. We don't know what that looks like, but one of the, um, I guess, blessings that David received from watching Saul's reign, if you could call it a blessing, is that I'm sure that he understood in a really deep way the consequences of not seeking the Lord's counsel, how those were far greater. The consequences of not seeking the Lord's counsel are so far greater 
So if we're stuck uh, deciding whether we have time or not, we'll lose because time has a way of getting filled up with lesser things. It just does. Um, So we have to create time to pray. It's not an intentional, uh, it's not a hope to, it's, it's something we have to create time for. And Jesus himself, you know, understood busyness. He, he certainly did as we look in scripture. Uh, we are all busy with many important things, but I don't think any of us in a loving way um, can claim to be involved in more important things than Jesus. And yet Jesus made time to seek the Father. Um, I was talking with Pastor Mike beforehand because I was sharing with him one of my fears about preaching this morning is that, man, um, I know that for years I was in churches and I've been in places where where it's really easy when we talk about making time and disciplining ourselves to pray, to pray, to come in from a shame-based perspective, you know, like, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. You need to do more. And you're like, oh, man, I wish I was better at this. And how, like, it's, um, it is not like that at all. It is such a gift and a privilege that we get, that we get to pray. And so my prayer is that as we, as we look at this deeper, that that will be received as a gift, as a blessing from the Lord and not um, a burden from the Lord. I've actually, you know, for many of you probably shared or experienced the same thing, that there are many times that I've, I've realized that when I make time to pray and I keep it, th- those times when I've made time to pray, I get so much more done in my life. Um so much more is accomplished. I can only imagine it's because, well, for one, you know, we're communicating with the God who orchestrates everything and has control over everything. That's obvious. But there's so much perspective that happens, such a reprioritization and alignment in my own heart and my mind as I spend time with the Lord. Um, There's such, uh, um, such more, there's so much more clarity about what I'm to enter into. There's so much clarity about the things I should probably say no to um, and uh, the things that are productive and the things that are not productive. Um, and really, it's just, it's just the most important thing we can do is spending time in the Word and in prayer. It's just important. Uh, do you remember back in the book of Exodus when Moses confronted Pharaoh for the first time, do you remember that story in Exodus chapter 5 when he was coming before Pharaoh to ask, to command, to let his people go? It was the, Moses' original appeal to Pharaoh was to allow the Israelites to take a three-day journey into the desert to worship the Lord. That was the original appeal or command or whatever to Pharaoh. That was the first one. Let us take a three-day journey away to have one of our festivals to worship the Lord in the desert. That was the appeal. And what was Pharaoh's reply to that? We see in Exodus chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. This is, listen to this. This is really um, eye-opening. It says, why are you taking the people away from their labor? 
get back to your work. You are stopping them from working. And then we saw that Pharaoh increased the burden of responsibility, so they needed to do more, and he decreased their resources. So now he's saying, okay, since you're so lazy, and since you feel like this is such an important thing, I'm going to give you more work, and I'm going to give you less resources. And in Exodus chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, this is his explanation. He says about the Israelites, he says, they are lazy. That is why they're crying out, let us, let us go and sacrifice to our God. That's the reason. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and paying no attention to the lies. We have the voice of Pharaoh in our heads all the time, don't we? We need to make time for prayer and protect it. And we need to encourage each other in this area too. As a body of believers, we're not hearing the value of prayer anywhere else in our culture. We've got to be able to encourage each other to seek the Lord, spend the time. Now, it's been really encouraging to me watching some of our pastors in this city making greater efforts to, um, and Pastor Chris has been a champion with this. He's been such an encouragement to me and to others, making time to go away and seek the Lord, not just on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, taking a, a proper Sabbath day off and making sure that, that there's time to listen and be quiet and cease from, from striving and cease from labor, doing monthly getaways where the, the goal is just to go and listen and spend time with the Lord. And if anything comes out of it, that's great, other than just spending time with him. Um, Debbie, thank you so much for letting us use your house. Uh, there was a group that met uh, just a couple weeks ago, a group of about 10 of us who, um, Pastor Mike was involved in that too, that the goal was to take the day just to spend time in the word and spend time with the Lord and listen and talk and have, have that communion with him. So I think there's a movement within us that let's encourage each other in those areas. Not all of us have a pastor's schedule, right, where we can say, okay, this can be a part of my job description, you know? But there are ways to do it, and we'll talk about that at the end here. But let's encourage each other. Let's make that, rather than um, patting ourselves or patting each other on the back for working ourselves so ragged <laughs> and neglecting at the expense of prayer, let's, let's encourage each other to take that time and to spend that time with the Lord. So final takeaway from this passage is this. Because David sought the Lord, Israel was blessed. Because David sought the Lord, Israel was blessed. And when we seek the Lord, the people around us are going to be blessed. Um, we will bless those around us as we seek the Lord. What would it look like if we positioned ourselves to let God lead in our lives? What would that look like if we did that? If we positioned ourselves for God to lead in that area? What would it look like if we positioned for God to lead in our families, in our work? 
the really good news in all of this is that we have Jesus, and it's really, really important to him. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And we also have the Holy Spirit. We have promised that will intercede for us on our behalf when we don't even know what to pray for. He's there interceding constantly for us as we seek. So here's some closing thoughts. Um, just give some thoughts and some ideas. God wants to lead our lives. And he wants us to seek him for guidance and counsel. And prayer is the means for that to happen. So here's some ideas, some thoughts. Um, hopefully these can be practical. And at, at whatever level you're at in, um, in the, the time and the discipline of seeking the Lord in prayer, first is this, is just to schedule it. Put it on your calendar. This has been really helpful for me. Uh, because when it's on my calendar, then uh, I, I'm less likely to kind of mess around with my schedule, you know. Um, maybe it's, I'm more calendar-driven. I don't know. But So if somebody says, hey, uh, can, we, can we meet at this time? Then I can respond back. I look at my calendar and say, uh, you know what? I have an appointment that time. Can we schedule for this time? Or I can just move that appointment, my appointment with the Lord, to a different time and make sure that I protect it there. But at least it's protected. So for me, I know that putting it on my schedule, putting it on my calendar, if it's not scheduled, it probably doesn't happen. So that's one, one practical thought with it, is just schedule it. Put it on your calendar. Uh, make time for it. Create an appointment. Incorporate it into a routine you're already doing. If you're walking your dog, you know, take that time to say, Lord, you know, I'm available. I'm here. I want to hear from you. Um, speak to me or just to enjoy his presence. If you're cleaning, you know, um, pop on some nice background music and just use it as like, okay, God, this is our, this will be our time together as we're, as I'm cleaning. Um, I wish you'd clean that area though for me. <laughs> no. Um, if you're on a long commute, you know, to work or you're going someplace or uh, just take just a few minutes to turn off the radio or turn on a song that's particularly meaningful that helps kind of get you to be able to express something that maybe you're having difficulty expressing. But, you know, leverage that time that you could be using that during your commutes. Or, so incorporate it, whatever routine you're doing, maybe there's a place you can incorporate that. Um, when, you're, um, when you're trying to quiet your baby, you know, um, just there, there are just moments that could be. Uh, I know somebody who used to, whenever they would, um, whenever they would take a shower, whenever the water would hit them, it would remind them, "Oh, hey, this is time to put on the full armor of God." And so that would be their reminder. So I mean, things like that, you know, where you're, um, where the shower is like, okay, this is my time to say, okay, God, the day is ahead. 
is there anything you want to share with me? Or if you just want to say something to him, maybe there are just moments like that that you can incorporate already in your day. Because he's with you all throughout the day. He's there. And so for us, it's just the, the moment of being able to say, oh, you are with me. And to, to bridge that, you know, that piece of, um, of, of acknowledging him and being available to him as he's available to us. Create pauses and plan margin into your day. So like, say you have a schedule that, where you go from meeting to meeting to meeting or if you have project to project or, um, or you have different things that you do around the house or if you're going from different, whatever it is, that maybe you can create a little bit more like five or ten minutes within those transitions. So say you're going to go to, you have like, you've decided that for whenever you're going to go into a meeting, you're going to build in another five minutes. And that five minutes will just be God you know exactly what this meeting holds. You've been there. You're there now. You know exactly how it's going to play out. What do you want me to know? Um, or just to say, God, I trust you. You know, I trust you. Um, just building those margins in, creating those margins. Um, if it's a new discipline, start small. So if you're going to go work out, and you decide the first day you go in and you're there for an hour and 30 minutes, you will not be there the next day, I promise you. You're going to be sore, and you're going to be frustrated, and you're going to be like, this didn't swell me up. I'm like, man. So, but it just takes time, right? So, um, so just if, if it's not part of your routine, start small. Just make it part of your routine. And it's amazing. You know that five minutes or that 10 minutes, um, what it does for the rest of the day. You know, so maybe that five or ten minutes just helps reorient your thinking that you say that you can be more in the, uh, the posture of praying ceaselessly, right? Because now you're, you're, you're a little bit more oriented that God is with you all day long. So maybe that helps. No, but start somewhere. Start small. Just show up. Just show up. Um, don't feel like you need to have this grand agenda, like lots of expectations. Just show up. Um, I've learned this, too, with... Like, it's the same thing with exercise, you know. Um, some days you don't necessarily want to go to the gym, but if you just go, you know, it's good. <laughs> just show up. Um, I've learned with songwriting that if I just show up, you know, if I can make it a daily habit, there are a lot of days it's like, I got nothing. Uh, so go take a seat over in the corner and grab a cup of coffee and kind of just like, and then maybe get back to it. Maybe nothing comes out of it. But I'll tell you, like, later on, I'll be in the grocery store. I'll be somewhere else. And all of a sudden, it'll hit me. Like, that line or that, I don't know if, Cameron, you've experienced that before. Like, grabbing a can of beans. Not that you'd be grabbing a can of beans. But, like, grabbing that, all of a sudden, that, that lyric comes or that. And it's because I, I just showed up in the morning. Like, so with prayer, like, just showing up can, again, reorient you to be, to be available all throughout the day for when God would speak. Uh, bring scripture. So um, we can pray all kinds of things when we get to asking for things, if we're asking God for things. But when we're, when we're reading scripture, we're aligning with God's will, his ways. So scripture is really important when we're spending time in prayer. Um, it's a lot of times when I'll, when I'll take time to pray, that's the starting place for me. And then I'll let, it, I'll let God lead it from there. So it's great if you're, when you do your Bible study in the morning, just to build right off of that, you know, to come right out of that with prayer. 
Pray as you're reading. Pray as you're doing your Bible study. Um, and again, let's encourage each other in this area. Let's encourage each other with it. Um, let's find ways to, to check in and to, to, um, to encourage each other in something that's not a value in the world. Uh, and finally, we have this really great opportunity that just starts tomorrow that um, Mike is giving up or is opening up the opportunity for the 40 days in the Word. And I think you're going to be at a table right out here after the service if, if you want to check that out. But, uh, but it's a great opportunity for, for us these 40 days, these upcoming 40 days, to be able to be more intentional about taking time to pray. So that's a great opportunity to be involved in that. Anything you want to say outside of that? I'm putting you on the spot. I apologize. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, thank you. Good. So let's take, let's make time for it. Um, God wants to lead your life. And prayer is a means in which we can access his leadership, his counsel in our lives. So I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to transition into communion. Here is more good news in all of this. God loves it when we spend time with him. And um, I don't, I can't imagine, um, yeah, you know, God loves it when we spend time with him. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, the veil into the Holy of Holies was torn we have access to God through Jesus, our great high priest. And we have the Holy Spirit who has made our hearts his temple. And as we take communion this morning, we, rem- we remember the sacrifice Jesus gave to make us his own. As we take the bread, we remember his body broken for us. As we drink the juice, we remember his blood poured out for us. And we celebrate being part of God's family. There are communion stations here at the front. There's a station in the back and here in the middle. This is gluten-free on the side if if that's your preference. Um, If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to partake this communion together. And so bring a friend up, bring people up, make this a, a community thing unless you want to do it personally. But we just invite you, we invite you to enjoy this communion together. We'll, we'll take this as we sing these next three songs together. Let me pray. Jesus, we are here, um, and we have nowhere else that we need to be right now in these next 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, so we give you our minds, we give you our hearts. Uh, the cares of the world, we know that those are things that you are aware of and you've got them, so we can just let go of those. We release those to you. We want very much in this time to be able to just remember, to 
to let go of our own um, worries and anxieties and just remember uh, the price that you paid for us to call you your own. Um, the new life you've given us, the redemption, making us new, filling us with new purpose. Um, God, help us just to rest in this time, to sing, to lift up to you, to draw our attention to you. We are available in this time. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before our benediction, um, just want to remind everybody, make sure you check out Mike's table for the 40 days in the Word. The next 40 days, it's happening tomorrow, so check that out. And make sure you say, if you're not able to go to Maher and Lydia's um, open house, make sure you um, let them know that you're going to miss them and that you love them. I'll say it from right here. I'm going to miss you guys. I love you guys. But, um, but make sure you do that. And um, yeah. Psalms 105, 3 through 4 says, Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Amen.